Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. We're a podcast about board games where we have opinions and conclusions formed on the basis of incomplete information. This episode of Cardboard Conjecture is brought to you by these great Saskatoon businesses. Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street, Dragon's Den Games on 8th Street, and Breakout Escape Rooms on Faithful Avenue. Welcome to Cardboard Conjecture. I'm your host, Norm. I'm Ryan. I'm Ian. And on this episode, some thinking, some playing, and some doing board games. And Ryan, it's the designer series. It's the designer series. And we've got our good friend here, Jay Cormier. Hey, all the way from where is it? Vancouver? Yeah, indeed. Right right there. (laughs) Go Canucks, eh? Hey. Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Amazing Stories Comics on 8th Street in Saskatoon. They're the winner of the Joe Schuster Award for Best Comic Book Store in Canada, and they were also nominated in 2016 for the U.S. Eisner Spirit of Comics Retailer Award presented at Comic-Con. Amazing Stories' amazing collection of comic books, board games, puzzles, and collectibles can be found in their store or on their new online website. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Let's go straight into some talking about thinking, doing, playing board games. And uh, Ryan, 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 you found a way for me to play this game because I, I can't find it on the shelves. So talk to us about this game. Yeah, a game that I don't get to play physically very often because it intimidates my wife (laughs) and she's not into these types of games. But uh, Gaia Project was just recently released on Steam and I play on my Mac. So if if you're a Mac user, you can actually play it on there. Uh, I'm just talking about that you can actually play this wonderful game um, digitally now and the AIs are actually very good. Um, I was getting decimated by easy AIs, um, but now I've played a few games and I've been handily beating them. But now the medium AIs are crushing me completely even more. Um, Gaia Project, if people are not really familiar, uh, we kind of call it the Terra Mystica in space type of game with a few other um, differences as, as well. Like they've replaced the cult track uh, from Terra Mystica with kind of like more of a tech tree um, type of thing whereas as you progress up these different columns you'll actually get more game bonuses and more game abilities types of things and there's some different rules for adjacency and whatnot but it's pretty much Terra Mystica in space and I'm a sucker for taking any game and putting a space theme <laughs> I agree. on it so um, yeah so I've been playing lots of Gaia Pro- I'm, I'm doing with Ian like to do with actual Terra Mystica playing it actually physically as I'm trying to play through all of the races and I want to try to at least beat the easy AI with all of the races so that I now know how to play all of the races on this one. So Gaia project on steam. It's been lovely and consuming. I can actually crank out a game in like 30 to 40 minutes. Wow. Which is actually really quite nice. What's the comparable to uh, at the table for time? Oh, it, 
well, well, at the time, like the the setup, the setup of Gaia Project <laughs> is actually really quite, uh, quite a lot. So um, that that's half your battle there. I mean, in a physical game, if you're playing like two, three players, you're probably looking like at, I don't know, ninety minutes or so. Oh, cool. Of of a gameplay, but we 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 like Ian and I like we play much uh, a lot of Terra Mystica yeah. now, and we we can like crank out a game really quite quickly now. Yeah. I think right, Ian. Jay, where are you at? Terra Mystica versus Gaia Project, or have you not played either? I've only played Terra Mystica, so okay. So uh, Terra Mystica, it would be side. it would be Terra Mystica anyways, because I uh, space right. games are not as much interest to me. There, there we go. go. You heard it here. There we go. It it was it was settled. <laughs> I think I think this is a future topic of interest, though. It's going to be Ian versus Ryan, Gaia Project versus Terra Mystica. We're gonna take off the gloves. I was just gonna say, we'll be a Canadian thing. It'll be drop the gloves, right? Yeah. <laughs> Clark and Probert. Okay. Um, and, and, uh, we'll say, and we'll say sorry afterwards. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Are you worried that if you play so much of this digital, that nobody's gonna to want to play you in real life? Oh, oh no! Like if I play somebody in real life, <laughs> I'm gonna get decimated. <laughs> like I, I taught you how to play Gaia Project, and your learning game, you completely crushed me. <laughs> Is, so. you know, he took Terra Mystica and just thought about it in I space. Can. Exactly. Cool. So, yep. You can buy, go get on, go get it on Steam. Actually, probably just wait for the Steam summer sale. <laughs> that's, that's probably coming up very shortly here. Cool. Uh, it'll, it'll probably pop up on there or something like that. All right. Ian. Oh, yeah. I didn't put anything down. There's nothing so, in the script. So not. this is like a Christmas present. That's right. Um, well, last last time I talked about that we actually had a game night for once, and I played some, we played some terraforming Mars. That was kind of the big showcase of the night. Uh, we also played some more Santa Monica, which I talked a few weeks ago. Yeah, which is a newer game and about building up a beachfront. Uh, and I'm I'm really digging this one. I really like it. It's it's got a neat a neat way that you the cards are basically used for everything right they're used as a location they're used as to show your how what resources you get they're used to show what scoring you're going to do um and then you're moving people around the cards which is actually more interesting than it sounds <laughs> because it's actually hard to move people around and you want to get them to places because you lose points if they're not somewhere where they want to be uh so yeah so i introduced that game and i i'm still really digging it and then we finish off the night with what is fast becoming one of our favorite end of the night with a quick game, which is for sale. Yeah. Which is an old game, but it just is always fun. Like it's just one of those games that you got 15 minute more minutes. No one quite wants to go home, but we're almost done. Let's throw out some for sale. And I finally won. I've never won that game before. <laughs> I finally got a win under my belt. That's that's a game I love playing on BGA because it's yeah. like you said you can crank some games out and it's such a classic auction system. I love it. It really is. Yeah. Jay, are you a fan of for sale? Yeah, I love for sale. Yeah, yeah, and Hot Society as well. Another Kinsia quick nice. auctioning type game. Nice. Yeah, have you played that Santa Monica, the new one? I have not. No. Yeah, check it out. It's it's a pretty cool game. I you keep like bringing it. it up, Ian, and I keep I go back to the BGG page. And I'm just like, this thing just looks. Yeah, the artwork looks like, is cool. It looks like something I haven't 
ever played before. Yeah, he's well, we'll he's giving you a mini hype train. Cool. <laughs> um, I got to the table again. I've talked about it before, and I'm and I'm have no problems about talking about it again. Uh, and this game's Yukon Airways, uh, designed by Al LaDuke and published by Ludonova. And uh, you are a pilot, a pontoon pilot in in the Yukon territories in northern Canada. Eh? And uh, it is, oh, I, I want to say pickup and delivery, but it's it's a it's a it's more than that. Um, it's an engine builder, pickup and delivery, uh, um, card management, uh, set collecting uh, game, um, and obviously, like every good you know Euro game, it's all about the victory points. But what I think appeals to me the most is uh, if I'm going to pick about something today is the player board. The, thematically speaking, the player board is so awesome because it's your instrument panel on your pontoon plane. And this instrument panel represents how you can, during the game, asymmetrically modify your, customize your plane. You know, I put a NOS kit here, but right. Um, and um, simple, simple elements like uh, a bigger hand, drawing more cards, an extra gas at the beginning of my turn, or uh, instead of having to set collect three uh, bonus elements, I only need two. Um, and it's what I what I'm really digging about this game is what I love about a lot of these games for that brain itch is putting together all of these switches and levers so that you flick one and all of a sudden it's this cascading trickle effect of of I just need to do this and holy moly it's just going to you know watch the little mouse trap ball go down the system and start triggering all of those things that you put in place. Um, the the ultimate thing I like about this is because I I have a love hate relationship with dice. Um, I love them and they hate me. Um, but in this case, the dice represent the I want to say I don't want to call them tourists, but the 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 people who are are you know hiring you for this plane voyage, and they're diff six different docks um, representing the pips. And there's different colors of dice that represent the different colors of uh, interest destination points on your map. And uh, just that system of having to integrate the dock pip value and the, and the colors that you can select. And here's the cool thing. You can only select one set of colors. So you, you're into a system of, okay, you know, what's my best benefit versus the, the least amount of cost or vice versa, right? So there's so many interesting decisions in this game that I've yet to, uh, you know, get bored with it. And to Mr. ADD brain, adult ADD brain here gets bored fast. So yeah, this, this game keeps my, uh, keeps my focus. That's for sure. Um, have any of you guys, and it plays solo. So I'm sold right there. Um, this is, I know this is an obscure title, but uh, Ryan. Um, this was, you brought this one up on, was it our Hidden Gems? I think so. Episode, was it yeah. that Was it that one? Yeah. yeah. I remember this one because this one had the unique story behind it, that it was a very, uh, it had a very sentimental value to the designer. He was a bush pilot. Yeah. 
yeah, he was an actual pilot. And then a lot of the pictures that you see in there are actually like depictions of actually family uh, portraits uh, of, of like him and his dad and stuff like that, which that that's what got me really intrigued with this. And I still have yet not played this one. Well, I'll, I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely package this up and it's summer holidays. So we'll, we'll send a little camper to your, uh, to your place for the, uh, for the weekend. Um, does uh, Jay, have you heard of this game at all? Oh yes, yeah, designed by one of my uh, good friends, Al. Yeah, really. He's from Ottawa. He's a Canadian. Uh, well, see, and that's the tie-in that I was that I was digging is is not that I'm a big CanCon guy, but I love CanCon. Um, and uh, any time that I can that I can you know have you know get my hands on something that's made yeah. by another creative Canadian, I'm all for it. So, yeah. Do you have any background that you want to tell us about this that you know of? Or? Well, no, I just that I've. I've played a number of Al's designs because we hang out all the time at conventions and whatnot. Uh, and so we're good buddies and uh, love the guy. Uh, but for some reason, I haven't played this one. I know he's, he really does a lot of cool designs with dice and using dice differently. And um, uh, so he's got other designs um, obviously in the works and that have been published. So check out his other stuff too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought the dice, the dice uh, uh, implementation was, was pretty unique. Nice. Yeah. Ian, I gotta get you. I get you playing this game because this is. These are some cool decisions. I think you'd have fun with. Well, eventually we'll be able to. That's right. We're getting there. We're getting Let's there. See. Summertime, and not only that, you know, it's like it's like we're breaking our isolation bubbles. Cool. So that was Yukon Airways. Jay, what have you been playing? Oh, it's funny you should ask. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, with lockdown and with having two four-year-olds, I don't play with, with other human beings, uh, over four. So, uh, I won't talk about the, you know, the, 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 the child games I've been playing, but I've been playing online, uh, like, like most of us and, uh, mostly I've been playing my own designs and I'm, I've been mostly play testing the second game that will come from me as a publisher from off the page games. First one being my management, which is just coming up now to backers. And the second one is getting ready i've got artists lined up it's based on another comic book it's uh awesome and uh it's i can't wait to start sharing more about it yay hopefully we talk about it a little bit more later on there you go hey um uh, i love i love teasers no (laughs) yeah yeah i got i got into that meerkat posture it was like what yeah head pop up um yeah yeah the uh that mind management uh I, I'll, I don't know the IP at all, you but I got to I got to tell you that cover, their box cover, art got me right away. I mean, I immediately went. I don't even know what the game's about, and I want to play it. Yeah. Did you see That's the? Cool. Oh, UV. look at that! Yeah, a little wild. skull. What yeah, what cool. what kind of technique is that for printing? Is that UV coating? UV coating. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's pretty sweet. It's very yeah. sweet. There's so much attention to detail in this thing. It's going to blow people's minds if they care to pay attention to that kind of thing. So I, much. I was following on Twitter. I think it was the the actual artists or the art author. Uh, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. You guys were talking back and forth and your enthusiasm as the Kickstarter is going. And uh, I started, now I'm not, a, Ryan's the big comic book guy, but um, um, it got me enough that about talking about like the theme of it, like psychic cold war kind of yeah yeah so i love me some cold war and then the moment you throw that and i mean 
I, I'm a child. I'm a child from from way back where I I played me some D and D. So the moment that that's like that whole headspace kind of came mm-hmm. in when you're yeah, when yeah. you when you're crossing those dimensions, and right away I went, oh, I want it. I want to mm-hmm. play it. Yeah. I didn't get. I, I didn't. I didn't get in on the Kickstarter. That that's more Ryan's. Uh, that's more Ryan's field. But did you see this coming on Kickstarter? I had saw this one, and I didn't know enough about it at the time. And then when I did finally educate myself, I had missed it. And uh, I actually have Jeff from Amazing Stories. He's bringing in some of the collected editions for me just because I am very intrigued about this actual story after I've awesome. done a little it, it just just after like like my brief five minute Wikipedia search about it got got me I was like ooh this it is this my is favorite beautiful. comic books uh series in the last 25 years or so there's a lot it. of interesting things that it looks like it could be doing so <laughs> I'm waiting for those to come in this episode of Cardboard Conjecture is proudly sponsored by Dragon's Den Games, located in the Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. Swing by Dragon's Den Games and let Darren, Al, and the awesome staff help you out in search for great board games, role-playing games, miniature systems, and all of the related accessories. Be a part of their gaming communities that have scheduled events in their great gaming area. Dragon's Den Games, Louis VIII Mall on 8th Street in Saskatoon. And we're back. This is Cardboard Conjecture. Topics of interest, the designer series. Ryan, why don't you do some more introductions? Sure. So this time around on the designer series, we've got a good friend here, Jay Cormier from Off the Page Games. Yeah. Welcome, Jay. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah, we because we've had we've had Sen on the podcast before, and it just didn't line up for you to join us um, when he came on that one time. So it proves that well, does it prove that we're different people? We are different people. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you you can do things separately every now and then. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So we have Jay here, and Norm's going to lead us through his talking points. My talkings, yeah. What's well, so his less his lesson plan? My lesson plan. Uh, we, we I always say make mention that we're teachers and we're and we're geeks about structure, and then we just don't use the structure. <laughs> we write it up and then we just forget about it. Um, is there though? Is there going to be a rubric for this that I should follow? Uh, I want to make sure I score really well. I I it's not there, but there's always one here. <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm horrible. horrible. I'm horrible about this. I just assign points just randomly. He's a math guy. It's like and people yeah. and people have to guess how they earn the points. Yeah, and with like math a lot of teachers guys, I knew. Yeah, I got to always show your work, so it's like that doesn't work for me. Um, but with every interview, I like to start off the background because uh, it's always important to know like like where your roots are from, and uh, and we've got some we've got some East Coast. Or central central Canada roots. So, uh, background, uh, and I hope I got this correct. From Ontario originally. Yep. Studied commerce at McMaster University in Hamilton. Somebody's been googling Hamilton. Uh, for those people who don't don't know, uh, Hamilton is a boot uh, across the uh, across the uh, Lake Ontario, I believe. If I if I'm getting things kind of correct. Sure. I, I, I failed geography, so yeah, I like it. Steel Town. <laughs> Um, yes. So, <laughs> uh, currently uh, living in Van- living and working in Vancouver, so a complete change of coasts kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and my last note, very much an A background, 
uh, which is uh, which is signs of a of a good of a good Canuck. So here's the question from Ontario, NBC, right. Leafs or Canucks? Blue Jays. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was the answer I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Burgers. <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're having quite a year with a number one uh, Vladdy on their team. So it's been pretty pretty exciting, even though there's still like five hundred team that's uh still exciting watching him. The um the baseball for me is is that one thing that I never really got into. I think in the nineties, of course, uh, like like the whole rest of Canada completely dialed in. Yeah. Yeah. But Until then, the strike in ninety four. Yeah. Yeah. So um I I don't want to show my colors, <clears throat> Habs, but um <laughs> you do you do want to show. <laughs> but no, here, here's the here's the thing. From my background. French Canadian boy, I have to say halves, but um, I, I stopped paying attention after the first player strike. So, so mm -hmm. I don't have that much vested into it anymore. For hockey, I'm 100% a bandwagon jumper, but it's on, always and only Canadian teams. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll even cheer for Toronto if they're the only t Canadian team in. Yeah. I, my, my stories is when I was growing up, my dad would sneak me and my brother into the Maple Leaf Gardens oh. to see games. He would sneak us nice. in. That's, this is how I learned how to grow up. Nice. <laughs> so big Toronto Maple Leafs fan? Yes? No? Not big. No. Like okay. I'm not a big hockey fan, but I, I've been to a bunch of games for free. Um, <laughs> nice. But yeah. Right on. Okay. So um, we're not here to talk about hockey. Um, uh, um, but we're going to talk about some gaming. So let's talk about your, I'm going to list some items and, and uh, talk about some gaming industry background. And then, and then it's just going to be kind of free form for there, whatever you want to talk about, whatever we want to bring up kind of thing. Um, so um, of many of the professional hats, uh, you, from my, my research, uh, game design instructor at Langara College in Vancouver, I think I said that correctly. Correct. Yeah. Um, uh, game design instructor at Vancouver Film School. Yep. Um, uh, owner, founder, as mentioned, uh, off the page games. And, uh, and the unique thing about that, uh, that I, that I read through that specifically focusing on graphic novel IP related material. Correct. And even more specifically creator owned comic books. Yes. Cause I want to work with the creators of the comic books, not with you know, a corporation like Marvel or something like that. Not, not to say that I won't the, someday, yeah. but uh, right now I love working. It's almost selfish because I get to work with some of my heroes and idols that I really oh, nice. love. And uh, with the first one being almost pretty much the top, like I'm starting at the top. So it's all downhill from here. I <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, uh, for me, I, I like, as I read through this other stuff, I really appreciated uh, uh, the, the give back that you have in your philosophy um advisor mentor to a lot of game designers by uh in these elements of uh the pitch project that you and sen uh developed um give us a quick talk about that well it was halfway through the pandemic and i'm like man with no conventions going on that was the majority of places where i personally knew that i was pitching games to publishers and i'm like well nobody else is pitching as well or it's very here and there and not yeah. you gotta you gotta know somebody basically and so I came up with the idea of like, well, what if we could do something kind of online and Sen and I banded it around and we came up with the concept of like, okay, people are going to submit a sell sheet without their contact information on it. So it'll be not biased. 
and to a website that we had to, we partnered with Tyler Smith from D6 Publisher Resources to kind of help create that. And um, then we got over 750 uh, sell sheets, different games submitted. And then we hired a bunch of industry experts to judge them. And so each one got judged by at least three different industry experts. And then they, we kind of uh, got an average of their scores and ranked them. And then in different categories, a family game, party game, and strategy game, uh, the top, uh, a total of those 50, got to pitch live to over 40 publishers at, on, a, on a pitch day, project day from Hasbro and Spin Masters and the big, big companies. They're all there. Like, so it was a dream come true for a lot of people who never had a chance to pitch to Hasbro, let alone yeah. all these other publishers. And for sure, games have been picked up and, and are getting in the process of being published now because of that. And because it was um, no uh, anonymous, we got people from all over the world. And because it's online, virtual, yeah. from all over the world. And people wrote to us like so heartfelt. It was like, it's like, listen, I, I, I'm in a wheelchair. I'm debilitated. I, I can't get to conventions regardless. So the fact that this existed, I, it's a dream come true. You open doors for me that I never had even access to even open before. And they're so thankful. And oh, people from man. other parts of the world that just don't get a chance to, to, to go to these events to pitch or have any connections that are now talking to publishers and have relationships. What, a, what an incredible thing to, to, create for during this pandemic like i mean a lot of people you know a lot of people have uh, have struggled with with this isolation and um what an exceptional gift to that yeah, was really nice yeah oh that How must be that many publishers on board yeah it was everyone was pretty jazzed about it we that didn't really charge that work. much for them it was a ton of work it was a ton of work it was, in hindsight, it was like we charge way too little for the publishers to join in to have because they got access to 750 games curated to the right. top 50. They're like, right. well, that's you're saving me a lot of time because yeah. <laughs> whenever they uh, ask for uh, submissions at a, an event, they pretty much just open it up to anybody. So anybody can sign up for spots and you have no idea what kind of games you're going to see. So imagine them having to sit through 750 so Right. And we called it for them. So we're looking to, to keep this going, but it's uh, we stumbled upon how we're going to do that. And we think we're going to try to partner with uh, BGDL Plus, Board Game Design Labs, their new website that they have going on. We're going to try to see if we can add that as a feature of that website. So I, I often use this term with Ryan all the time, but um, proof of concept. I mean, you've, you've, you've got something and now it's just yeah. honing it, right? Yeah, we're, we actually want to try to make something that's not event-based like that because that was good and everything, but it was a lot of management. We're, we're trying to find something that's just ongoing and a publisher can log in at any time and then see what are the top 10 party games or filter it and say, what do that play over eight players that have this theme and they can filter it and broop, they'll get ranked immediately. What a that's what we're looking to do. Brilliant aggregation. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, the, yeah, the next one I have is uh, <laughs> we, we kind of we jokingly talked about it, but... Uh, Tell me about the Bamboozle Brothers. Oh, yeah, that's Sen and I. So it's so funny. It's just like Sen and I started designing. And then when we kind of started putting our names out there, for, for some reason, we just called ourselves the Bamboozle Brothers. It's a fun name. And we just called ourselves that. We have our own little website, bamboozlebrothers.com. And, and 
but we didn't and we and we got a we there we put together a blog in which we blogged the entire process of how to get your game published and it's like 33 steps you can go and see all the different steps we did to publish a game and you can follow and so many people have commented to us about how that they've used those steps to their own personal gain as well so that's been nice to hear uh but we never put that on a game or, pu or published uh, anything by the bamboozle brothers it's literally just a background thing but yeah so many people know sen and i as the bamboozle brothers <laughs> Well, I, it, what I, you know, going through it, I recognize it as a, uh, um, an I like I always have an ideas book or like a, something a little sketch pad where I'm always putting stuff down. To me, that's your your creative repository. I think. Yeah, we definitely had a forum uh, that we would uh, Sen and I had access to that just was only literally for Sen and I, and we had all these different threads and posts and stuff like that, and we put all our ideas in there. We don't use it as much anymore because there's so many other tools available to us. But yeah. at the, in the early days, it was invaluable to keep our thoughts organized. Sticky notes on a kitchen fridge, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, now uh, this is interesting. Um, the teacher, I completely geeked out when I saw this, um, was, uh, yeah, anything where I can have charts and graphs, but your, your fail faster playtesting journal. I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> um, what, uh, was, was that just one of these little itches in your brain? Like mm. I need this tool. And if I need this tool, somebody else might need it. Well, it's the story is that it was uh, a few years ago. It was a week or so before uh, a week or so before I was going to go to a, a, a convention to pitch games. I and which also coincided with my birthday. I said, let's have a little party, a little shindig. I'll invite all my board game design friends and players and I'll rent out a little space in an apartment thing and we'll play games all day. And, and it'll help me because it's a week before I can kind of tweak all these designs. So they're just like perfect. And then because it was a party, too, I'm thinking like, what can I do besides bringing in food and stuff like that? I had, I brought in some of my games to, uh, to raffle off throughout the day and stuff like that. But I'm like, I, I, I kind of wanted to have a little, a little grab bag, you know, a little, little part, you know, going away present or something like that. But I'm like, what do game designers want? Like a, a bag full of meeples or something. You know, like <laughs> I was trying to think of what to do and I was going down that way for a bit. And then tying that with the fact that I teach uh, game design uh, at the time was only at VFS. Now I teach at Langara as well, but at the time, and, um, I have created for them because you got to show your work, you got to show your process. And mm -hmm. so for me, when they hand in their final board game, I need to see a certain number of playtest reports. And so I had created for them a, a kind of a, a sheet or two on how to kind of organize your thoughts. And so, and so I could see your work and your process and to so that you can prove that you understand some of the mechanics and concepts that uh, are failing and why they're failing and what you have to do to fix them. And, I guess I merged those two ideas somehow in my head. I'm like, well, that might be a neat little thing, like a little journal or a little something right. So I made a, like a staples version of this where I just kind of, and it, it, some of it's quite familiar, similar to this, but it's pretty much my alpha version of what this ended up becoming. So I got to test that for a good year before I went to Kickstarter with this one. So I made it, um, came up with all sorts of cool little ideas for it and gave it out to everybody for free at the little party. And lo and behold, people who didn't get to go to the party found out about it and were like, hey, hey, do you have any more of those? those little journal things. And then people were running out, were filling them up and they come back like, do you have any more? Cause I, I ran out, I filled mine up. And it made me start thinking of like, is this something people want? 
And then I just went for it. And I hired a graphic designer to lay it all out and did the whole Kickstarter. Very first Kickstarter that I ran was this one. Uh, my, a lot of my games have been on Kickstarter, but the first time I ran it and it was a blast. Uh, and I it, uh, funded, I think I only wanted like $7,000 target and I got like 40,000. So it oh, was wow. great. Yeah. And it's still selling to this day on Game Crafter and I still sell it. So it's great. The um, what what intrigues me the most about it is uh, Sen has been on twice on our show, um, once on Conjecture, and we used to have a, a side uh, um, episodes called Cardboard in the Classroom, where we talk about how you know the instructional design and board game design. Uh, when Sen was on, we talked about how those two kind of have an overlap, and uh, the moment I saw this, I thought. I, I, I want to, right away, I'm like, okay, I get, I, I want to buy this so that I, <laughs> as a teacher, as an instructional designer, I can look through it and go, whoa, 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 I can, I can, you know, change the theme of this, but I can use this as a nice unit plan structure, or I'm a big fan of experiential learning with my students and project-based learning. So to me, that is such a beautiful, you know, ha a structure where I can go show your steps. Like when they're working on a multimedia project, I want them to show their creative um, sequences from here to, you know, like what got you to this point. And, yeah. and the only way is qualitatively where you can, you know, write down anecdotes or you can write down snippets. And, and I'm, I'm the kind of person where it's like, I, I don't, I want a mind map. I, I want something organic, right? Because that's how we think we, we, you know, we hit a tangent and we're off into, uh, you know, you know, having an, a, a different idea and then coming back to it, <laughs> for that piece of pie moment kind of thing so yeah i, I want to yeah. look at that with the with the, it's the one of my favorite yeah i think yeah one of my favorite parts about it i like that is that um i gamified the process and so on the inside cover there's there's a list of these 10 behaviors that if you do these behaviors while during your play test and they're all things that i think will make you a better play tester then you mark off progress by shading in the next block in this kind of uh, um, uh, line. And then every so often there's a little badge. And when you get to a badge, well, lo and behold, you flip to the end and there's a page of stickers <laughs> and you, you get to put that on the front of your journal, just like a, you know, a scout's badge um, sash. You just so sold you get Ryan. Prove. You just yeah. sold Ryan stickers. No, no, he, no, he, no, he didn't have to sell me. I, I've actually ordered one of these. Ooh. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually have it on the, I have it on the way. I actually ordered it um, earlier in the week because I'm starting to get kind of a little bit more serious with my. That's I great. have some, I have some ideas, and I kind of want to actually start getting them. Put put That's a great. little bit proof of concepts. Yeah, put a little sustenance behind them, other than just these little <laughs> things I like to do for art projects. Yeah, yeah. So to me, yeah, to me, I think that is, is, is a, such a valuable tool for the creative process in general. I mean, not just games and teaching, but in general. Cool. Yeah. Um, uh, this is a good transition point because we're talking about design. Let's talk about the stuff that you've got out there. And when I went through your, I don't even know if it's a word, but gameography, mm. um, uh, I was caught by surprise. You've, I mean, 20 plus titles that that i've listed and you probably you know there's probably stuff on there that i that i didn't catch but uh the range wise uh i think cream of the crop 2010 i have as as one of your earliers well the uh, the chronologically uh belfort was the first one to get signed yeah and but a game called train of thought was the first one to get released because it was faster produced and it just kind of came and what cream of the crop was not it's it's a peace pack game 
yeah. and it was published in a book of peace, you know, peace. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's, uh, you know, okay. not really. Yeah. Yeah. It's compendium it's published. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, let's talk Belfort. Um, Ryan, you have Belfort, don't you? Yeah. Cause I kickstarted the uh, TMG Deluxified. Did you get your copy in? I did. Good. Um, when did I get it? It was a while ago now, but oh, one, I'm, I'm itching to play it with players. Yeah. I what, I what I like about what we did there is we came up with this thing called the less red tape variant. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for, you know, the pandemic to be over so people can play games again. So I'm waiting for somebody to review it because basically mm-hmm. um, it's almost a 10 year, what well, is now a 10 year old game. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we came up with a way to speed up the gameplay and we changed uh, a lot about how it works to really get, get it going faster so you can play it in a shorter amount of time with no new components. And I'm really curious about people's perception of that. And I think it's really neat. So you just fine tune the rule set? It changes how you place uh, uh, your, your people and how you score them. And it you lose a few things that are neat about the game, like getting majority in the resources areas. Uh, that's a thing that you can get because everyone that's how you signal an end of a round. But there aren't rounds anymore. You place your workers and then you choose at any point to score them and you get them all back. And that's when you score. And so uh, it's it's just a lot more fluid and faster. And and you lose the, the fun tur- turn order aspect. You just go round and round and round. Cool. Here's a question that 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 I have about this is, like you said, it's about 10 years old. Um what, what did it feel like for you guys to, to, I mean, obviously when you have a game out there and you play it and, and, and like a carpenter, when I build something, I know where all the little hidden mistakes are. And I know, and we're, oh, it's so gorgeous. Like, no, if you just look under here, right. As an, as a creative artist for the, to be able to come back to this game and go, let's fix these little things that people don't know are that are bugging us. A little bit like that. It, I will say, the both of them are fine. Like you can still play the normal yeah. way. That's totally fine. Yeah. Um, and there's benefits to it because you lose some of the, to, to ensure we ha- keep the speed up, we have to lose some of the decision space, right? So yeah. you lose uh, turn order and so a few other decisions. But uh, I think that that was their goal. It was that that is one of the criticisms of the game that it's AP inducing and it can be a two and a half hour game. And some <laughs> people are like, man, if it was two hours or maybe like an hour, night, you know, hour and a half, that might be a bit better. I'd play it more often. So, you know, it gave us a challenge to try to figure out if we could. Cool. Cool. And like you said, you're, you're still waiting for the data to come back because of yeah, I want to pan- see pandemic like pause. Yeah. Um, yeah well, I, it's on the top of my list of try, of a game that I want to get played because I've heard so many things about it. Oh, well, um, you got to play the normal way first. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to play. I want to, I do, I do want to play because I've, I've you know the, punched the motivation. all the components. Oh, good. You know, the I motivation for that game was um, Warcraft 2. Remember that one? Oh, two Neat. where you send your workers out to get wood and get different yeah. materials and they come back and they build buildings and then you use those buildings to do other things. That was the whole concept of where it started. And then it ended up where it is. Cool. Nice. nice. Yes, my Lord. <laughs> I want to transition into a title that I see over your shoulder and I'm super thankful for uh, when I first got into the hobby, um, Rado was, was, was talking about this and it's Akrotiri. Mm. 2014 mm, yeah and um ryan you had that oh, game i i love i love this game oh i to me this was one of those games where when ryan pulled it out i'm like oh it's a nice little tight box and all of a sudden yeah. it starts occupying and you're there's some there's some cognitive load going on yeah. and um the, well it started out as a as a two to five player game and when we pitched it that's what we pitched it as 
And Sophie from, uh, at the time, Z-Man um, said, yeah, we take it, but only as a two player only game. And her thought process in, in hindsight was pretty accurate is it's a great game, but if we release it as a two, three, four, four, five player game, the, the biggest negative that people are going to say about the game is there's downtime because it's a tile lane game. All tile lane games have that. I got to wait until it's my turn to even start processing my turn because the board changes so much mm-hmm. that now everyone's done. Now it's my turn. Now I'll start processing. Where can I put this? Okay, let's see. On a two player game, less so because you can pretty much plan out your turns with every once in a while somebody going, ah, oh, you screwed my turn over. I was going to do that, but that's only every once in a while. Yeah. So uh, it was a wise decision to make it a two-player only and making it so in a tight little package like that, it's great. And there is some some unannounced news that's unannounceable news that's coming with that criteria that's exciting. Ooh, ooh, <gasps> yay. Gasp. May or may yeah. not involve um, more things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, I, like th- I like things about stuff. <laughs> stuff yeah. is great. Let's talk about stuff that nobody knows about. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to quickly accelerate uh, to certain points. Um, uh, so after Akatir, we have uh, this town ain't big enough for the two of us. There are two, two to four of us. us. Come on. Yeah. Best title I, in game. Yeah. I, I saw that and I'm like, hey, that, <laughs> I like that. that. I love tongue in cheek. That it was so yeah. awesome. That was back during that mini uh, uh, micro game fad. Do you remember the micro yeah, game yeah. fad that was going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was it's 25 tiles. That's it. Cool. It's got a clever scoring mechanic that Sen and I are looking to figure out how can we put that scoring mechanic into a bigger game because it's such a cool scoring mechanic. Oh, I'm going to have to look at that. Um, tied into what I want to talk about later on, it was this this IP thing you guys have kind of mm. connected to you. Uh, Orphan Black, the yeah. card game, the Godfather, Dungeons yeah. & Dragons, mm-hmm. uh, Rock, Paper, Rock Paper Wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the title has a little bit of the mechanism uh, thrown, uh, thrown out. Kind of. Have you never heard of that one or played that one? Oh my god, it is a it's a hoot. It's one of our biggest selling games of all the games we've made, and it's spun off into uh, WWE Headlock Paper Scissors. Okay, I've seen that one. Okay, that, that one's like always right there on the shelf. Uh, yeah. Amazing stories, like right near the counter. And maybe there's a third game coming in the series. Who knows? Uh, but it's the same concept of there's uh, in Rock, Paper, Wizard, there's a, a five spells out. Each spell has a different hand gesture associated to it. And you, everyone kind of looks at them and studies them. And everyone's ready. We all go, Rock, Paper, Wizard. And you cast a, a, one of those spells at one of your opponents. And everyone keeps their hands up. And it looks goofy and funny as you're looking <laughs> people playing across tables. And then you resolve the spells and you're pushing each other around on this little board. And at the end of all that is resolved, whoever's closest to this gold hoard on the board gets five gold. Second closest gets three. And then you play again. And you're trying to get to 25 gold. And it's a chaotic uh, hoot. Oh, this is going to be an expensive episode for me. Oh, okay. Break that one down. Yeah, yeah. Put no, that no, one no, in the, the basket. No, they're they're, they're, they're all they're all prom they're all prominently displayed at our at our local game store. I've yeah. seen them on the shelves. That one has an expansion called Fistful of Monsters, which introduces monsters that kind of also come into the dungeon. You have to contend with as well, which is really cool. But the WWE, while it's the same mechanic, um, it, we tweaked it all, and it's, I think it's a better game because it uses um, specific wrestlers, and each wrestler has their own specific move. Yeah. Any idea who what what uh, hand gesture is for the Rock? <laughs> what was oh, that norm yes. i don't know 
The, oh, this really? Yes. Like, doesn't the rock have? Doesn't he I have know. that big that big rock pose that he does but all the time? How do you not do this for the rock? <laughs> I see. I I, <laughs> I overthought it. I overthought it. <laughs> and so you you have your own move that you can do at any time that no one else can do, but it has to be powered up with uh, an, uh, I think a currency called momentum. So you have to build up your momentum in order to use it. And so there's things and stuff you can do in the game to build up that momentum uh, so that you can use it. So you can't just use it every single turn. Are there cards where you get to like fling the guy into the ropes to get that whole bouncing back and forth? Not, it's not as physical <laughs> as that, but there are, yes, there are, the, the game is such that you, there's an outside the ring, there's an inside the ring, and then it's, there's a, there's a three-dimensional ladder in the game, a ladder, because it's called, it's a, based on the money in the bank episodes of WWE, if you're familiar yeah. with those episodes, where you have to climb the ladder and get to the briefcase to get the contract to fight the title. And so that's the whole point of the game. You're trying to get to that briefcase. Oh, I'm I'm having flashbacks. That's, that's, that's actually really awesome. This episode is proudly supported by the amazing team at Breakout Escape and Board Game Lounge right here in Saskatoon. Using industry-leading technology, Breakout Escape's escape rooms are all 100% uniquely designed by the team, ensuring their patrons have maximum fun while staying safe. As well, they are a fully licensed board game lounge with over 400 titles to select from to ensure fun for every gamer new and experienced. Be sure to check them out at BreakoutSask.com. At Breakout Escapes and Game Lounge, they believe that life is more fun when you play games. Uh, this one I want to find for my son because he's super into dexterity stuff, and that's Junk Art 2016. Mm-hmm. That is our biggest selling title for sure. Junker. Yeah. Um, uh, so this one, funny, quick story about this one. Yeah. We made, Sen and I made a game and it was actually, you ever played Tissue? Anybody? Tissue? I've heard of it, but I've never played it's it. It's the best partner game in the world, bar none. It's so great. And so you have to play it four players. So great. It's just a card game. Um, and we wanted to make a partner game because we love it so much. So we made a partner game. It was all about juggling. It was called Up in the Air. And as the numbers increased on the cards, we put pictures on them just for fun and have, make a suit out of it or whatever. And the higher the number, we made it a harder and harder thing to juggle, like bowling pins and then bowling balls and then chainsaws. And then the last one for fun, we put cats because it's really hard to juggle cats. Exactly. We go to a convention. I pitch it to R&R Games. And I, that's the pitch. I say, oh, you juggle things like cats and chain- chainsaws. He's like, sounds great. Let's play it. We like right here, like right here in the middle of the floor. We, I'm like, bring it out. We start playing less than a minute. And he's like, all right, I don't need to say anymore. I don't want it. And I'm like, what? And I love the guy. He's so blunt, which is great, actually, in my, from, in my opinion. But he's like, he goes, no, no, no. He's like, I thought when you said you're juggling cats and chainsaw, I thought it was going to be a wacky game. And this is way before exploding kittens ever existed. <laughs> but he's probably thinking it's going to be something more like that. Yeah. <clears throat> it might be a fine game, but uh, not, not for what I was looking for. So Sin and I had to decide. What are we going to do with this game? So do we make the game wackier or do we just keep pitching it as is? Or do we change the theme so it's more boring and not wacky? And then just to entertain the idea, like, well, how would we make it wackier? Like, how would we, what can we do to make it wacky? Well, and initially we are like, well, it's about juggling, but we couldn't ask people to juggle because nobody knows how to juggle. Yeah. But we could maybe ask them to do something else, like stack things or something, something dexterity wise. We could do that. And so then quickly transition to junk art where we had, cards with different numbers and colors and each card represented a different wooden shape and there was like four suits four different colors and uh i can remember at the time 13 and 14 different pieces in each of the suits and all the deck cards now helped you randomize which pieces you got and we came up with all sorts of different mini games and yeah it's uh what a cool little concept i love it yeah the uh, the fact that um i mean just the building part 
the kid in me looked at that and went, ha ha, yeah. I, I, I forget the cards. I just want to start stacking like Ian with King Domino. I just want to put them all, mm. or sorry, yeah, Kingdom Builder. I just want to put them all in one pattern. But it comes with like 12 different ways to play. And, and the, the actual way you're supposed to play is flip up three of these modes. And every time you play, you play three different variants. Some are speed-based where you're trying to do things faster. Some are screw your neighbors over. My favorite one is the, they're all based on cities, is the Montreal version in which uh, you play three cards on the neighbor to your left and they have to play those pieces onto their own structure. Everyone's building their own structure. Sounds great. But then after three cards, you stand up and you inherit that structure. <laughs> and so you're trying to place those pieces as crappily as possible. They just have to stay there long enough until you leave and then you want them to fall over. So it's so funny. People Don't building the these table. crap. Yeah, Don't touch exactly. The table. exactly. <laughs> cool. Oh, that's going to be a very expensive episode. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, I'm going to uh, accelerate a little bit and you stop wherever you want and, and give us some I'll insight. Talk about, I'll talk about anything. <laughs> uh, but we've got uh, uh uh, zombie slam book of dragons mm -hmm. uh, but wait there's even more gin stack mm -hmm. moo that cracked me up <laughs> yeah no, no no let's stop here because this has turned into my son's favorite game to play right now is tic tac moo oh cool yeah, it's only so available in germany so how'd you get a copy of this i believe sen actually oh, sent us nice. sent us a sent us a copy of this uh I think just out of just a good care package or something like oh, that. That's and, great. And so I, when I started playing it, because I was like, oh, he's into tic-tac-toe and stuff like this. And I, and I said, well, wait a minute. I think I got a game here that kind of has that tic-tac-toe feeling, but I think it might be more something that daddy might want to play. <laughs> right. Same <laughs> uh, thing. And it's been fantastic. It, talk to me a little bit about this one, because it's been fantastic. Yeah, we just wanted to come up with a bejeweled type of game, uh, like a, you know, match three kind of thing. And we toyed around with some ideas and we just thought this, it's a simple kind of neat idea, but of uh, placing, uh, when you place a third in a row, you leave that one there and you take these ones off. That was the core concept what we thought was neat. And then we tied that to the, the cool mechanic of the restriction of how you get to place. And that I think is where the, the crux of the mm -hmm. uh, thing is, where you have um, an animal in your farm hand and an animal in your barn, I think. Yeah. And the animal in your farm has the one you have to place, but the animal in your barn, I might be getting this mixed up because I'm playing in a while, uh, is where you have to place it next to. Yes. So I might have a pig, but the animal in my barn is a chicken. So I have to place this next to a chicken. Oh, and cool. you're trying to get three pigs in a row or three chickens in a row. So I don't own the pigs or chickens. On, so you, you don't want to set something up for somebody else, but you can see what they have to do next turn. That's the key. You see that they have to place next to a cow. So you're like, oh, he can only play this. So he can't get this three. So I can set up two in a row here and hopefully next time I'll get the third one. It's it's really, uh, that, that part's really clever. Yeah, cool. yeah, because I I can see all those things, but my son who's five, he doesn't. He's just like <laughs> I have to place next to a chicken, and he just sits there. He's like, I got to place next to a chicken, but how do I get my cows? I want cows. <laughs> how am I not getting cows here right now? Type type of thing, and yeah, we it's we cute. don't play we don't play with because there's uh there's kind of like there's like the area control type of thing where you try to get like two of every animal inside yeah. of your. We don't we don't play with that way yet. We just want to yeah. just collect collect as many things as possible. Right. And yeah, there's two ways to win. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but oh, it's been. Oh, I, nice. I, I highly I highly recommend it as that's cute a, 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 as a as a nice little family. You can find game. it. Yeah, if yeah if you might can, be out of print now. I don't know. Oh, see, that just makes me want to go hunt for it even more now. <laughs> <laughs> load, cool. load up your Amazon.de. Yeah, account. there you go. <laughs> um, uh, so after Tic Tac, see, I want to go get this game now. After Tic Tac, move. We didn't even talk about. We didn't talk about Godfather, which is one of my favorites. Oh, for sure. Yeah, <sighs> let's roll it's, back. 
I like that one a lot. It was, this is the non-Eric Lang Godfather. Yeah, and it was unfortunate that it came out within six months of that one, which got a lot more publicity. So ours was kind of came out during the IDW days uh, of them just kind of throwing games out into the world and seeing what stuck and supporting what did stick and not supporting those that maybe didn't stick as well. <laughs> so ours kind of just flew under the radar, unfortunately. But the concept is so cool. It's basically um, an area control game with some Yahtzee-esque concepts to it where you roll dice um, one person's godfather at the start, and everybody has to make an offer to the godfather, one of their dice. And so they, everyone rolls their dice. I have to make an offer behind a screen, and I'm going to offer you this die. And the godfather goes around from person to person, and so typical to the movie, he has to either accept the offer or make them an offer they can't refuse. And they, <laughs> you give me a three? I don't want no three. Give me a six. And if you have a six, you have to give him a six. If you don't, then he's left with nothing, and you get nothing. So it's a little risky. And as a godfather, you don't get to use any of special abilities. You just get more dice. I might, I could get one extra dice from every single person and I got a ton of dice. Really cool. Everyone else though, they get to use all these extra special mitigating benefits. What you're trying to do is roll sets of different numbers and straights and stuff like that. And this entire beautiful board, that's the um, map of New York City. Yeah. And each area in New York City has, you know, three threes or four twos or whatever. And you're trying to take over the areas. And you can spend any money amount of your dice into the muscle track at the bottom and the muscle track uh, at the ever, end of every uh, round resets. So you have to kind of keep investing into it. And if you're higher than someone on the muscle track, you can bump someone out of a region and then send them to sleep with the fishes in the river, which mm. they get a benefit from but when they do go sleeping with the fishes. Oh. So it's not all bad, but it's just a really fast game that plays up to six. And I think it's really nice. I'm, really cool I'm looking at the uh, BGG pictures and uh, in the river, there's, there's a one pip, two pip, three pip. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's where they're going for in the river. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, this looks so cool. Yeah. I would. Yeah. Thank you for talking. We got, well, we got, that's out of print. We got a rights back to it and I'm, I we're contemplating doing something else with it and making it even more gamery friendly. I think one of the downsides was that it was tied to Godfather because mm -hmm. I think that turned some people off that maybe don't like Godfather. And two, I think they put it in too big of a box and made it feel like a bigger game. Like, mm -hmm. it's gonna be a, and it's a fun, more family game. And so if we can change the theme up and make it a bit more accessible, I think it would be a better game. Oh, right on, right on. It, it looks like, I mean, just looking at the board, and uh, and the zones and the dice uh, uh, allotments, yeah, it looks really cool. Yeah, that's unfortunate. that's unfortunate. It came around at the same time with that as yeah. the, the other Godfather game. That's it's happened to us quite a few times. It happened with that. It's happening uh, right now with the Scooby Doo game, um, and another game that's coming out this summer that hasn't been announced yet. That's already has a, another game in its. <laughs> really? Yeah. It always, it always seems interesting. That always seems to have like. What was it just this past year? Was timing, like, right? There's, there's, the one that was like, there's like three B games, like P, yeah. B, yeah. yeah, the game came. That's always interesting. Um, so, uh, we're getting down, we're getting closer to uh, our present time here. Um, we have uh, In the Hall of the Mountain King 2019. Yeah, that wasn't with Sen, that was with a different friend of mine. Yeah. Graham. He, he and I actually swapped teaching at Vancouver Film School. And so eventually we were like, we got to do a game together. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, man, I'd love to make a, a game about In the Hall of the Mountain King. And he, he not really knowing if I knew what that was. And I my eyes lit up and I'm like, that's literally, honestly, my favorite song of all time. I love that song. You guys know what song that is? No. The, you 100% know that song. 100% know that song. It goes a little something like this. 
and it gets it starts off nice and slow and it gets bigger and bigger and by the end it's like and gets huge and so as soon as he said that i said if we make a game based on this song it feels like it has to do that it has to crescendo it has a bit build and build and build and build and we came up with this really clever cascading resource thing have you anybody played this game yet i picked it up and i'm Oh yeah, oh, you got it. It's I got a, such it a cool concept. Yeah. So you hire a troll on your turn and you place it up in, we call it a troll smoot. And it looks like a little pyramid. Yeah. And when you place it, you activate all the resources on that troll card and all the resources on the trolls beneath it yeah. in its pyramid. And so as you're building higher and higher, just like in the song, it's you get more and more, it gets bigger and bigger. And by the end, when you place your 10th one, the top one, you activate all the resources, but you put the resources actually on the cards. And so you have to spend them because if you activate it again, that one beside it, you don't get to reactivate those resources if there's already resources on it. So it becomes this really timing efficiency thing of like, uh, I want to spend this before actually getting another troll because blah, blah, blah. And you're doing that because then there's a big board where you're building these polyomino tetrisy um, uh, tunnels into the into the mountain and you're trying to go deep into the mountain to find these statues they're, they're not hidden there you yeah. see them they're pre they're on the board and you and you d- dig a tunnel into the statue then you use carts which is one of the resources to move those statues through your tunnels to the center of the mountain where you they you will you know praise the mountain king and receive his blessing the the thing that I thought was cool and unique that I've never seen before in polyomino tiles is some tiles have holes as holes 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 punched into mm-hmm. the tiles, um, and without I mean I haven't gone through all the rules yet, but a quick look at the at the map and and I'm thinking it's one of those situations where if I can place this tile properly and highlight the the reward in the in that circle is that kind of where I'm going with this one. Those are called anchor points, and it's the only place where you can place a pedestal. And and pedestals are one of three colors that match the colors of the statues. Mm-hmm. And if you can get a statue and move it up onto a pedestal of its matching color, it doubles its point value. And so <laughs> now you, the, the yeah, it's a it's a crunchy one. It's so good. It's yeah, that. I love the is. Yeah, I was sorry. I was just gonna say I love the inspiration of building your flow of the game based on the flow of the song. That's yeah. That's really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Ryan, do that. Ryan, denied me a, <laughs> Ryan denied me a debate the other day about theme and games and hidden themes like that. But that's like that's just a cool thematic yeah. time. And they have a um, a prequel called Fall of the Mountain King that's on Kickstarter right now, depending that. on when you're listening to this, yeah. um, which we didn't design, Graham and I, but we developed. We helped develop the game and, and tweak it to uh, where it is now. Just a little side note, uh, um, very proud moment that... Uh, I've, I heard that uh, discussion because you are now um, um, uh, being part of the What You've Been Playing Wednesday uh, discussions. Yeah, I, and that's the game I talked about, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and uh, that, that's what, uh, <laughs> again, costly episode, that's what clicked my head into going, wait, I think I saw this on the sh- uh, shelf at Amazing Story. So I went there, yeah, thank you very much, brought that home <laughs> and went, okay, <laughs> this game has got my brain. And, and, and yeah. Um, did you get the, managed to get the deluxe or not the deluxe? I don't know which one. Probably I got. not deluxe. Yeah, deluxe think, just has game trays, which are really you know they're always nice. See, and and we but had an go- episode where I'm the kind of guy that just throws the tray out and bags everything. Oh well, out. there you go. There you go. <laughs> but <laughs> in some games, like especially the polyominoes, to have them all sorted, mm. that just to bring them out and just set it there, that 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 part's really good. Cool. Um, I want to get to um, I want to get to mind management. 
because you, you're going to skip over Scooby-Doo. Well, if, if you want to, do you want to it's touch really on some quick. of that it's, stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just, the op, yeah. The op came to us and said, Hey, yeah. uh, we want uh, an escape room, but we want to make it narrative and we want to make it based on IPs. And we, and we're asking a bunch of designers to pitch stuff to us. So we pitched a concept and they loved it. And they, we went, they went with us and we did Scooby-Doo. And the concept is that have you ever played a point and click adventure from the nineties? Zach McCracken, uh, Indiana yeah, yeah. Jones, yeah. all those kind of games, Max, Sam and Max, uh, where each character in the Scooby gang, at least, has a verb that they can do. And each, and each verb is associated to a specific number, one, two, three. And you take that number and put it in front of um, a three-digit number that's on the board or on cards, and it lets you do that verb to the, that object that's in, in the art. And so you have to figure out who should interact with which object in order to, uh, you know, go around this mansion that you're all trapped in um, and also solve the mystery of who's, what's happening with this ghost. Uh, is it a real ghost or is, you know, <laughs> is there some yeah. mask reveal of some sort at some point? Isn't it always the uh, the old gardener that? Uh... <laughs> that's, that's maybe. And then oh. they, we got to do The Shining. Same, yeah. and so it's now it's based in the same uh, concept called, called The Coded Chronicles. And the third one, which is coming out this summer, which I can't say, and a fourth one has been asked of us to make, but we so far away that we haven't started designing it. So it's very and exciting. The coding you mentioned, Coded Chronicles, that's your game system. That's what they called it. Yeah, that's what they called the system. Yeah, it's great. It's like you know, exit or unlock. You know, so it's yeah. Coded Chronicles, and they're so they're always going to be narrative and always based on IPs. And so there's like a book that you would look up that number, 1572, 1572, and you read in Velma's voice, yeah. like the the interaction, like, oh, jinkies, this looks like a blah, blah, you know what I mean? That's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've played, I've, I've gotten, I've played the Scooby-Doo one. It was fantastic. We, Jen and I had a blast. Great. Uh, oh, great. But we, we haven't had a chance to find the, the Shining one. <laughs> Cool. Um, at least at least locally but i will say that there was a printing error and there's an errata or something on bgg for that one. Oh, okay. so make sure you print that first or with it before you start playing it cool uh, yeah. see and and uh well you know what let's take this moment to talk about uh your connection with ip you, like in your uh, in your gameography yeah there's a lot of ip um talk tell us about that journey like do you go hunting a certain IP or is someone approached and commissions you saying, we have this IP, we, we've, you know, we've looked at your repertoire and we see a connection here. That is currently how it's worked for all of them except one. Yeah. That we've um, been asked, Hey, are you guys interested in this IP? Would you make a game for this? And so far we've 100% said yes. And so far I've enjoyed all of the IPs with one except I wouldn't say an exception, but one difference is uh, there's a game that's on Kickstarter right now of a seminar is called My Singing Monsters. And that's based on an IP of uh, an app, but it's a, it's a kid app, uh, you know, kid-friendly app. Mm -hmm. And it's millions of users around the world using it and everything, but uh, I'd never played it. So that's the first time I'm like, I had no knowledge of the IP and had to kind of immerse myself into it for a while yeah. to figure it out and see what it's all about. But uh, other ones like <laughs> Scooby-Doo was my favorite cartoon as a kid. <laughs> the Shining is my favorite horror movie of all time. Like I'm getting, I'm getting big things. The mind management were totally different where I was, at, we were at Gen Con one year and we were at the Oni press booth, which is a comic book booth. And we were looking at a comic called Six Gun and Sen just said out loud, just like, man, I wonder who you have to talk to to get rights to make a game based on this. And somebody at the booth <laughs> turned around and said, mm, that'd be me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, looking at him. hi there so we chatted with him about it and uh um it's funny and we chat with him about it and uh that 
ended up not happening, the six gun thing, but we chatted and we were all excited about it at the time. And Cullen Bunn was there um, and Brian Hurt, they were the writers and illustrators of that. And one of them said, oh, you know who you should talk to? You should talk to Matt. And my eyes kind of went wide. I'm like, Matt who? Mm-hmm. I'm Matt Kent, he's here. And I'm like, what? I, I have currently, at that time, two pieces of his artwork hanging in my office right now. And uh, I'm like, Matt's here. That's, I'm like, can we meet him? Like, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, I'll text him. And so later that night, or I think the next night, we met up and all night we played board games together. And he was at that point, and you all will know this point, that point in your life when you, you're like, uh, I don't know, four to six months into learning that board games existed. And so he was the guy at Gen Con walking around with three bags, duffel bags <laughs> full of games, just like, this is amazing. And so we played games all night and just, and he had played our Akrotiri and loved it. So that was great. And uh, he offhandedly at one point just said, man, it'd be so cool to have a, a game for mind management. <laughs> and Sen and I are like, seriously, like, could, like, can't, could we? He goes, you do it? <laughs> and we'd be like, yeah, like it was one of these things like, you want me, you want me, you want me. That's and like a typical <laughs> movie scene where it's like, but yeah. I thought you that know that you. I thought I really. like you more than you like me. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, we said, yeah. And so we spent the next two, two and a half years coming up with numerous alpha game. And when I mean alpha, I mean like, here's an idea. Let's try it. Nope. That didn't yeah. work. Back to the drawing board. Let's try again. Here's another one. Nope. Like just absolutely different ideas. And we couldn't figure it out. And I was actually getting sad because I'm like, this is like my favorite comic and I got to get it right. I don't want to do something crappy. And yeah. I, and this is me. I'm not publishing. I'm just a designer. Yeah. And eventually we got this idea of the one versus many. I'm like, that's what's going to get in people's heads. This whole mind management thing to think you have psychic powers yeah. that like, oh, I'm trying to make you think I went this way, but I actually went this way. Like that whole thing, it, it worked <laughs> perfectly. And we started branching off and, and we designed it and it, it it's awesome now it's and then it got signed by a publisher that publisher uh after a few months actually went bankrupt and so we got the rights back and had a meeting with matt kent and he's like well what if we just did it ourselves he goes i'll do all the art and graphic design what if you guys just publish it and i talked to sen about it and sen's a full-time teacher a professor at a college so i'm like uh i'm i for the last few years have been fortunate that i've been able to move down to part-time at my my real job (laughs) And uh, so I got, I only work three days a week there. So I had two days a week. I'm like, well, I said, send, maybe I could be the publisher and you, you just stay designer. He's like, that'd be fine with me. And so I started up a company called Off Page Games. That was the first, the first task of trying to figure out well, what does my company stand for? Yeah. And I wanted my company to be something about something. I don't know about you, but it's hard to point out what publisher makes any game. Cause they're all like, they're all good or they're all they're all samey or not samey they're all different but it's like you couldn't say oh that's for sure a so-and-so game yeah it's really hard with i think a couple exceptions something like restoration games like they have a very clear purpose yeah we're going to restore old games add some new mechanics make it modernize it and release it as a cool big game that that that, that stands like yeah that's a purpose so i wanted to have a purpose and my purpose i found out was like what if i just did as we mentioned before uh, games based off of comic book uh, that are owned by comic book creators yeah and i'm like yeah that's awesome so uh, yeah, and I'm off to the races. Oh, there's there's probably just uh, like uh, an it, plethora of of possibilities because I mean all the independents oh. out there, like just from the way you told the story, how many others are kind of going? Hey, you know, oh. I would be happy to work with somebody on my it. My goal, my first goal in this was just make make the game awesome as a publisher. So I knew yeah. the game was good already, but make yeah. the game make make it 
uh, as awesome as possible. So poured so much love and effort into it. There's so many secrets in this game. I'm not going to spoil any of them, but there's so many secrets, least of which are, these aren't even count as any of the secrets, but there are 14 sealed packages in this game. And it's a one versus many game. Whatever side loses, they get to open a package and they get to shift the balance. We call it the shift system because you shift the balance. So now you get a little bit more powerful. And so the more you keep losing, the more powers you keep getting. And it's more cards, more contests, more pieces, more rules, more extra things you can do. And it just, it's super cool. And a funny quick story about that, when we were designing it back in the prototype days, we played a game, I'm going to name drop here because it's, it's fun to name drop. We played a game with uh, Matt Leacock and Evan Derrick and a couple other people. And <laughs> ironically, actually, it might have even been Al LaDuke at the time, actually. I'm not sure. But um, as a callback to earlier in this episode, um, we played the game and we just about broke Matt's brain. He was just overloaded with too many options. He's like, I cannot keep this straight. And it really taught us something because what had happened was when you design in a bubble and by a bubble, I mean, you play with the same group over and over and over and over again, they yeah. start to get used to it and they start wanting a bit more. And they're like, I wish I could do this. Cause then I could react to these things that are happening. Oh, that's a good idea. Let's give you that power too. And let's give you this and let's give you this and let's give you this. And it just kept escalating. And then you introduce a new per person. And it's like too much, too much. Uh, as a first time, there's no ramp. It's just steep. Yeah. And so we took everything out and said, here's the basic game. And then let's layer it in one thing at a time. And this is the system we thought to do that. So that was a really, so Matt Leacock had a little hand in uh, and how this kind of came about. So you watch the cognitive load have negative effects. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, the scope creep is crazy on that now. But I mean, that's important too, because like you just said, uh, outside of the, the the realm of your testers, there's that outlier that, that will draw attention to yeah. an important element maybe, yeah. Yeah, just the fact that you can't always just sit with the same people because then you don't get that new person's experience ever. Yeah, awesome. Um, let's touch base on this last one, uh, My Singing Monsters. You mentioned it briefly in the IP discussion, but yeah. is this this is currently Kickstarter? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so we were asked to do this. So we started thinking immediately about what kind of game this should be. And it felt like it had to be a worker placement game because it's there's all these different buildings you can go to to power yourself up and do all these different things. And, and for sure, for a while, we were toying with trying to make this game include music because the app is all about creating music. These monsters, you breed these monsters and then they make sounds and they you create this beautiful soundscape. It's a really fun game to listen to because every time you bring a new monster in, he's got a different way. And then another one. Like they, and then it starts to sound like a big uh, Bobby B. McFerrin kind of uh, <laughs> song tribute or something. Really fun. Uh, so we wanted to do a worker placement, but immediately... Uh, because of the art of the game, we wanted to make sure we showed off the art of each of these monsters. I don't want to just be playing little worker yeah. tokens out. And so we thought, well, maybe then, maybe the workers are cards. So that's where it started with. What if we had a worker placement game where you had cards and you place them out and uh, you would do things? And we started the game off and there's five different places you can go to. And we were a bit uh, challenged because it was just, it was slow. Um, one place you could go to breed the monsters. And so you place the monster down and there's always two spots in every single location. And whenever when you place it down there, you would breed the monster with the monster next to it and get a bigger monster. And in the game, there's two element, three element and four element monsters. So they get bigger and bigger monsters. And eventually we learned that uh, uh, that was too slow. And so every single location allows you to breed now. So every time you place a monster down, you get to breed and get a big, bigger monster. So it's a worker place where you never get your worker back. Instead, you upgrade and get a better worker. <laughs> and that part's okay. really cool. 
And then much like our, as if we didn't learn, much like our story with mind management, when we pitched this game to um, the Big Blue Bubble team, who aren't board game publishers, they're an app publisher that are mm -hmm. now making this board game, uh, they gave us their gamers first to play test. And so we play tested everything was fine, tweaking it. And then we got to new people. So we maybe we did learn and we play tested with some brand new people and they're like, I, this is too complicated. I don't know what's going on. It's too much. <laughs> yeah. And so we came up, the whole hook for this game is that this is now a game that grows with your family. You start off with playing on one island and it sounds ridiculously weird to say you have a worker placement game with one location, but it works. It really works because of the breeding <laughs> yeah. and how it works. It's a game that's not as simple as Uno, but it's only two or three steps above that from a family game. So you can play that mode and it's fun and the scoring is very interesting um, as long as you want. And you're playing these monsters down and you're getting tokens and you're filling up your little music cards. And when you then you score your music cards when you fill them up and there's some timing issues about it. It's really fun. And then you could be like, when you're, when you're ready for it, you can add another island and it now adds something else. And each island adds a new element and concept that plays on its own and you can stay at that level. And I know Geek Dad reviewed the game and said, we love the game. We're only at level two because that's where my daughter loves it right now. So we're having fun with just level two, but I can't wait to uh, expose her to more as she grows uh, with the game. And what a great idea for families. If you're trying to get your family to get into games, this will just kind of walk them into playing these kind of games. Yeah. yeah. Progression scale. That's pretty neat. The... Wow, I'm more games don't do that actually. I know, Especially and I, by the time you get to, yeah, by the time you get to the fifth island, I think it's a nice entry level strategy game for my taste. It's like yeah. a nice for other people that don't play these kind of games. This is a hard, heavy game, <laughs> but it's a nice medium to entry level strategy game with a really good thinky thinkiness to it. Here's a question I had because you'd mentioned that the 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 app had a very auditive element to it, right? How do you bring that into a board game? We tried uh, for the longest time. We wanted to. Yeah. We wanted to. Uh, we pitched a bunch of different ideas, but they didn't want to do a party game. They really wanted to do a family strategy game. Yeah. So, okay, no party game. So we, for the longest time, we, we had on the back of these tokens, uh, little audible music notes to them. And with the idea that you would sing these things out when you completed a board and your boards look like a five staff music thing. So you are <laughs> making music on a five staff thing uh, with these different element tokens. Um, so you look, it looks like you're making music. And then our idea was you'd flip them over at the end and then you would sing this little song out, but we can never make that fit because it felt too party-ish or like someone had to judge if you did it right or something like that. And it just didn't fit with a strategy or, game. Or gimmicky or something. Yeah. yeah. So we ended up having to, you know, uh, cancel it. And we just weren't given enough time to do anything more grandiose, like QR codes and scan it and then yeah. it plays the song or anything like that. That would have been cool. We all thought that would be cool, but this is the year of the monster in their world. Like this is a big year for them. They're doing a lot of announcements. And so we were on a very tight timeline to get this one ready. Well, hmm. I think compared to um, your interpretation of of uh, um, in the hall of the um, uh, Mountain, Mountain King, King. yeah, the, how the 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 song influenced the 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 ratcheting of the tension in the game. Uh, I'm curious. I th my interpretation, so, without yeah. having to look at this, that the harmony comes into the the blending of the monsters. I think is is that's where the the There's song. A bit of that. Yeah. yeah, it's it's such a collaborative kind of friendly game of app. The app is so friendly and collaborative and, and happy. And so I'm proud that the game is full of that feeling. A couple okay. examples. Um, there's a thing called decorations in the card. And decorations are whenever either your neighbors does this specific action, you get an element token. So it feels like, hey, thanks for doing that thing. I got a thing. It feels okay. great. 
uh, for scoring, whenever you score, if you land on somebody else's token, you jump over them. So you're like, hey, thanks, I get to jump over you. Uh, and so every every little thing in the game feels like a nice thing. It feels good. There's no take that. There's nothing against. I never do anything against you. It's all it's competitive. We're trying to get points, yeah. but it's all very nice and happy. And I think that really helps with the uh, blend with the IP and the brand. Cool. I like that harmonious approach to it mm -hmm. rather than the, the abrasive or the conflictory. Yeah, nice. Well, uh, the, we're getting to the point where where we're going to run out of stuff to talk about, but I'd really oh, I, that. <laughs> I, I took this concept, I can segue to this. I took this concept of a growing game and it's I'm using it for my next game I'm publishing as a publisher for Off the Page Games. So it's a game based off of the comic book Harrow County, um, which is by Cullen Bunn and Tyler uh, uh, Crook. And it's absolutely fantastic comic book, 32 issues of amazing Southern Gothic horror story type stuff with really cool thing about a, uh, a witch that was you know burned and buried a hundred years ago. And then many years later, uh, a child was born from the tree under which she was burned and buried born from the tree literally from the tree comes this and uh everyone watches her as she grows up because they all think she's the witch reincarnated and she isn't and then more and more things happen that start to unravel this whole family history that happened and it's it's wild so um the game i have uh, uh, is this is that you're playing as um this girl and her friends called the protectors they're trying to protect Harrow county and against the family and the family are people that are related to the witch that was buried and they want to destroy Harrow County. So it's an asymmetric one versus one game on a kind of hexy type map, kind of small type hex map. And you're trying to pick up little tokens to improve the strength of your haints. Haints are like your little ghosty, ghouly, gobliny things that you raise from the dead and, and, and go to attack each other with. And I'm not going to explain all the concepts of it, but the, the, how it grows with you is that so you each uh, you play with only you pick one legend to play with every time you play. So each side has five or six different legends. So a lot of different we play it there. There's a third faction called Cami, who a little bit of a spoiler alert. You learn later in the in the comic that she is the twin sister of the main girl who was born from the tree, and she was born at the from the tree at the exact same time. And she grows up and she's part of the family, and she doesn't like Emmy and the protectors, and she doesn't like the family. So now there's a third faction you can play uh, as. Cami, that's her name, versus the family, or Cami versus the protectors. So now you have a lot of, and they all three play asymmetrically in how they play. Not to the same level of root or yeah. or, or vast, yeah. but because they're all trying to get these little tokens and they're all trying to attack each other. That part's fine. But there's always a secondary scoring motivation. And for each of them, it's entirely different. And then also how they play is different. Um, the family is a bag building game. They're pulling tokens out of the bag and descend. And uh, the protectors play, they build up, they take the tokens and put them on a track and permanently power them up. And Cammy plays like a Stratego game where she has these pieces where she sees what's on her side, hey. but you don't. And then and then that's that's just the first game. And then you can play the game on two maps. And now you split your, your legends out on two maps. And then I'm serious, you play it on three maps. And you can play the game on three maps and you have to change which map you're activating. And it starts to blow your mind how intricate this game can be. You got three different legends all working on three different maps. And then the games comes with a uh, an add-on for a third player. And this is Hester. You can play as Hester, who is the witch that was buried under the tree. And you're not playing as any units on the board. You're not playing, you don't get to control any of the units on the board, do anything. You play as roots coming up from the ground and trying to infect all the haints. And when you do so, you get to put a snake in their ear. This is true from the comic book. A oh, snake goes in their cool. ear. And so we have these meeples where snakes go in their ears. And now 
but it's Hester's turn. She can move those haints around, but when it's your turn, they're still your haints. You can move them around too and do what you need with them. So we both have communal control over these haints. <laughs> and she wants to infect enough haints out there in the world to come back from the dead. And if she comes back from the dead, she wins. And it's, I've never seen a game like this where it's like, oh, it's one versus one. And then there's a third player, but it's not just like another faction and you're all fighting against each other. Totally different way that she's playing to try to infect everybody and mess everybody up. It's really, really cool. I'm digging that wow. multiple mechanism player approach. Um, Dave was talking about, was it Merchant's Cove? Now, Merchant's Cove, the thing I heard about that, I heard it's just a bunch of mini games. I don't want to slight yeah, it. Yeah, I don't no, like no, it, no, no, no. But it's a bunch of mini games. Yeah. And they're all playing different mini games on their own. Yeah. And then you compare stuff and you interact in certain ways. Yeah. But this is but like this you're, is... you're on a map and you're yeah. fighting each other and you, you both want to kill each other always. But you also have another map. Like the family is trying to cover up hexes with storm hexes and they want to tear the tear the thing in half with storms. And that's what they're trying to do. Whereas there's oh, these townsfolk cool. littered around the map and the protectors are trying to get to the townsfolk and rescue them and protect them. So they, it's just, it's, I'm super excited about it. Um, I, I couldn't be happier for that to be my second game because with my management being such a love of mine, mm -hmm. being so high, I took a long time trying to figure out what my second game was going to be because I'm like, I, how am I going to be as passionate about that yeah, yeah. as I was about mind management? And so I'm there now. It's, it's exciting. What's uh, what's its uh, probable release time or uh, Kickstarter? April, April, 2022. Okay. And again, yeah, you're going to so, see the same, same production process of going to Kickstarter and absolutely. Yeah. I still have to do that. I'm just, yeah. I'm one, one game publisher right now. So yeah, it's, uh, it's but, all but uphill. It, but that's, I mean, that's been recognized as part of the process in, in this industry too. And I've been so fortunate that I've got a leg up with, um, uh, the previous publisher who bought mind management and then ended up folding, they had played mind management with a, a distributor in Canada, universal. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and so I had a leg in with them. And so I, I talked to them and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll distribute your game. And for FYI, for people that don't know context about that to get distribution uh, with only one game is nigh impossible. So I was super lucky that I got distribution in Canada in the States. I was not so lucky. And then I had an idea and I talked to, uh, Helena Capel from Burn Island games who did in the, in the hall of the mountain King. And she's a friend of mine and she designed that. And, uh, I said, Hey, what if, what if you co published it? And, you know, and we talked about it and you take a certain percentage and blah, blah, blah. And she goes, yeah, let's do that. She goes, oh, this is awesome. So we're putting a little sticker saying it's co-published by Burn Island Games and it's getting distributed to, through PSI in the States. So I have like uh, distribution in the States. And on nice. top of that, I have distribution in Europe too. So I'm like, I got for a first time publisher to get, I mean, obviously a lot of thanks to the IP of my management, yeah. which isn't huge. I know not many people know about it, but it's an IP and mm -hmm. uh, it has its fans. So, you know, it's good. I think that's the uh, one of the most important things is I mean you've got the idea but to get it out there so yeah. to lock it, lock a distribution system in like that um, out of the gate so is, lucky I feel fast forwarded like two years of my uh, growth of my company by getting that yeah so it's amazing and, and well and like you just mentioned that's the biggest obstacle and and you happen to just hurdle it like. Uh, mm -hmm hop in a fence kind of thing. So kudos. I mean, yeah, I'm a new publisher, but I've been around the block a few times. Yeah. Uh, so I've got some experience in other things that have given me, you know, open doors here and there. So it makes it look like I'm super lucky, but it also is a lot of work that has gone behind the scenes. Right on. Yeah. Well, you guys, uh, Ian, Ryan, do you guys have okay, anything? Okay, so your Coded Chronicles, your third one, you can't tell us what it is. Can we guess? <laughs> do, you, do you mind if I'm not going to say yes or no, though? No, that's fine. Okay, <laughs> We're so, just going to look for eyebrow raises. 
you've got the Scooby-Doo, which is like the family friendly. You've yeah. got the Shining, which is the horror. So I hmm. think the next one you're going action spy. So I'm guessing Mission Impossible is the IP. Hmm, that's where that'd I'm, be cool. That's my guess. Wait, that would be cool. I just thought of another potential. Dun 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 dun. Little That'd Indiana cool Jones. Too. Yeah, I can't. Interesting one. <laughs> I don't. Well, I gotta my, do this. My, this is gonna be jarring for a lot of you, but this is this is what my room looks like. <laughs> hey, see, my my heart is set. That's the mind. Matt Kent did that one. Oh, that, nice. that one. That, uh, nice. that one right there of Indiana Jones. My my heart is set that the next Kodo Chronicles would be X Files based, but I'm because oh, right. I'm, I'm a huge X Files guy. Right, that would be good. We're so fortunate we know the next couple, and we're so fortunate that they're IPs that we all love. So I'm oh very God. fortunate that I get to work in this world. The, the the one thing that would that would be the feather in the cap is to um, get either the IP for the Beachgomers or the Littlest Hobo. <laughs> <laughs> Until tomorrow, we'll just keep moving on. Hey, there you go. Right on. Um, uh, this was so much fun uh the, we awesome. got we got to get you on a, again uh, um down in the future when when you get to talk about these games that we can't talk right. about right um, of course yeah absolutely. absolutely um ryan do you have anything else as we as we get into the denouement uh no not really i kind of backed my singing monsters as we were talking <laughs> Hey, see that? <laughs> I wanted to do that, but I'm like, hey, I, I got to keep this flow going here. Huh? No, no. It's well, lovely. and the price is amazing. It was like yeah. 40 Canadian for the basic version, and they want to get it out by December. Like they think they'll get it out by December this year. Two backers. They're they're fast, wow. fast tracking it through Panda. So, yeah, yeah no, that's a, that's amazing. It sounds exactly like my, my son would totally same do. same. Yeah. That's, this is an expensive night. I'm this is an expensive night. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. sorry. No, no. Yeah. Well, and that was a perfect way to, to wrap up the, the Canadian version. Sorry yeah. about that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, well, we always get to this point. We um, Thank you so much, Jay. Where can, um, give us a little bit of uh, pump your own tires. Where can people find you on social sure. media? and? Yeah. Off the page games on any social media platform, Facebook or Twitter, or Instagram is uh, my main thing. But uh, Bamboozle Bros is my another Twitter handle that I go by for my for me. Um, uh, those are probably the big ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, uh, um, the website uh, offpagegames.com. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So thank you, um, Jay, and uh, thank you, ready for uh, for following us through this episode. And I hope. We didn't cause any trauma to your uh, pocketbooks. Um, <laughs> I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gots to feed the kids. <laughs> um, well, that being said, uh, I'm your host, Norm. I've been bamboozled. And <laughs> I'm Ian. And we'll catch you later. This has been an episode of Cardboard Conjecture, and we are Bridge City Board Gamers. And you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Board Gamers Saskatoon. You can find us on YouTube, Bridge City Board Gamers. We are also on Twitter, at BC Board Gamers. And of course, Board Game Geek, Guild number 3039.